Happy New Year and welcome to The Best Things in Life of Freelance, the episode of the Meet the Translator podcast series where we talk all about freelance translation. Today I'm joined by freelance translator Valentina Alia. We're going to find out about the day-to-day life of a freelance translator, the best and worst bits of the job, how the pandemic has affected things and how to become a freelance translator. Valentina is also going to tell us a bit about her new course on translation for the fashion industry and together we'll be answering the questions you sent in. Enjoy! Hi Valentina, it's really great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for coming on. Hi Dodge, thank you for having me. How are you doing today? Ah, I'm fine, thank you. How about you? Good, yeah. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Can you tell me a bit about yourself? Like, what do you do? How did you become a translator? Sure. Of course, I'm a freelance translator. So I work in fashion, tourism and marketing um, for about almost six years now. I started, uh, I studied uh, languages at first at university in Italy, and then I took a master's degree in translation. After that, I moved to London for uh, an internship in a translation agency. And I think that's what really helped, like, after. (laughs) I wasn't a translator there, anyway. I was a project manager intern. Mm -hmm. So I got to see what what's on the other side like (laughs) freelancing now like it's easier because I I know what project managers do every day yeah at the end of my internship I knew I didn't want to live in London because it was so crowded uh, and so busy I can understand (laughs) that (laughs) yeah so I decided that I want to go back to my hometown and that's why I applied to be a freelance translator at the same agency I, I did the internship in. So luckily enough, I like got in their database. I was supposed to start working with them, but I didn't know when exactly because, you know, it's like freelancing. So you don't have a contract, you don't have anything. So I just came back and waited and like fingers crossed (laughs) that someone at some point would send me work and they actually did but my first translation was like they sent it like one month and a half after I left Mm -hmm. so it was quite a long time like when you're waiting and you're not working and yeah it's quite a long time and it was 68 words translation so it was tiny and you don't really can like make money from that kind of jobs. Yeah, but it was fine and it took me so long because I wanted to be sure that it was perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was a f- famous footwear brand, so I was really excited. And now footwear is one of my niches, like one of my specializations, so that's so weird (laughs) I didn't plan any of this but yeah and so that's it so that's how I started first I worked with this agency and then uh, after a while after a year and a half I think or maybe two years other agencies started accepting me in their database because I had experience now so that was pretty much it and then after that, all the agencies came and other clients. And yeah, we'll see, I think, later about this. Yeah. <laughs> so what made you sort of decide to become a freelance translator? 
Well, it was not much of a choice because in my city there are like one, I think, translation agency. So <laughs> I didn't have any choice. There uh, was freelancing or another job at all. So that's why I choose to be a freelancer. Mm-hmm. And why did you want to be a translator, like in general? Uh, I don't know. Uh, actually, it's it's kind of a fun story because I always hated English and languages in general all my like <laughs> growing up. I really hated my English teachers uh, and I, I didn't like it at all. But I don't know, at some point something clicked and I fell in love with the language and with other languages as well and I don't know I decided I had to study languages and then translation seems like a a good path to find a job and I don't know even if everyone in the industry say that it's not easy to find a job and to you know earn money and stuff I thought it was a good idea so <laughs> I, I decided to do a master in translation and here I am. What does your day-to-day life look like as a freelance translator? Uh, it's pretty basic I think uh, like any other freelancer. I woke up in the morning and it depends on how many projects I have during the day. I woke up like at seven or maybe at eight or at nine or I just sleep and work in the afternoon it depends but yeah since August I really I work every day because before August um, I had also days in which I no clients sent work so I got pretty worried and all the stuff that I think you know already But uh, since August, I started receiving more regular work because I got a new client, which is um, a magazine. So mm-hmm. they publish every day. So I have work every single day. So I started, my, my day looks more like a Nina translator now, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I, I have work every day. So I wake up in the morning. I just, I don't know, go for a walk with my dog. Uh, mm-hmm. actually he he walks me out it's not the other way around because otherwise I, I won't be able to leave the house and then I start working and then I get like a break a lunch break a pretty long one I think because I take like two hours because I like to cook and then eat and then rest a bit on the sofa maybe and then I start working again around three and then until maybe six or seven like this mm-hmm. and then I go again for a walk with my dog and then I have dinner and that's pretty much it yeah I guess that's like the good thing is that we can sort of decide what we do and when we do it yeah when there's work it's kind of the same for me as well like I'll be working this weekend because there's a big project but I'm yeah. probably just gonna randomly take two days off in the week next week because yeah you can sort of move your, <laughs> yeah, move your schedule that's the best around. part yeah in your opinion what are the best and worst bits about being a freelance translator well of course the best as we said is that you can choose when when to work and where to work Mm -hmm. most of all yeah uh, I like to work uh, from anywhere like uh, this summer I didn't take any time off and I just went to um, to a beach house and I worked from there and it was like a bit being on holiday even if I wasn't but I was able to go to the beach and to swim and to do all this stuff while still working so I really liked it 
and also I like that it's freelancing is it's like running a business it's not like it's running a business yeah 100% <laughs> yeah even if we don't have this mindset but it's running a business and mm-hmm. I I'm enjoying this bits lately um, I like doing my marketing and all this stuff but these are also the downsides I also don't like having a business <laughs> because like you don't have paid holidays you can get sick and all this stuff mm-hmm. but you get I feel like you get a more of a variety like I really enjoy like the marketing side of things and like working yeah. on a website and like being able to do things like this like just start a podcast like yeah if, me too if I was like an in-house translator or like something else I don't think you would like it. yeah <laughs> yeah so I guess yeah I really like get it. to get to decide what we do and yeah do the bits we like I mean I don't so much enjoy the whole having to like do your own invoices and like yeah all the yeah, like contracts <laughs> yeah that's the, the worst part so obviously this like 2020 has been a bit different for everybody yeah how has it affected you as a freelance translator like how has the pandemic affected your life the beginning uh, I I don't think it affected my work uh, likely but maybe it at the beginning I had more work than ever when it all started in March uh, because all the brands were communicating a lot with their customers, with their clients. I work mostly. I work in fashion, so all the brands were were saying like, uh, "We are here. Don't worry. Stay safe. Stay home," and all this stuff. So they start like having a lot of contents to translate. After that, there was like June and July were not so good. I didn't work much, but after July, like. From August till now, I was swamped. I've been swamped. I work every day, as I as I said, and that's something that never happened before. So I'm pretty glad. Mm. I found quite a similar thing as well. I had a lot of work right at the start of the pandemic, and I feel like it was maybe because often, like the translator is sort of right at the end of yeah everything. So like the actual pandemic, when it hit, like it took a while for it to catch up for me at least, because I was still translating the stuff that had been done when people were still like yeah. <laughs> in their offices and stuff. And then I found the same thing as you. I didn't have a lot of work over the summer. And then suddenly it's all like yeah. caught up and like people have, I feel like a lot of companies have figured out like now they know how to like work from home and they know how everything like, yeah, everything is back working again. And it's like <laughs> normal, but yeah, <laughs> it's been a lot as well. But it's not like I think it's nice like I'd rather be busy than yeah me too I was going crazy (laughs) over June and July I was like oh my god (laughs) I'm so bored yeah I was yeah I was the same it got to the point where it was like difficult to because you're like constantly like oh I need to do something I need to like yeah I don't know look like look for agencies like market myself I need to get out there more and like you get up and you do it every day and then you're just like yeah. why is nothing coming of this but like yeah yeah so it, it works out in the end and hope, I guess like we have to hope that things only really go up from yeah here. I mean like, I know the future is still a bit uncertain but hopefully as we'll everyone see. is saying hopefully <laughs> yeah <absolutely>. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to hope yeah For anyone who is wanting to become a translator, how did you 
through it like what what skills did you need what qualifications did you need before starting as a freelancer I don't think that having like a master's degree or something in translation is a must <laughs> I think it's more you need to know first you need to know your your target language like very well better I think better than the source one Mm-hmm. Like I needed to really know Italian well to write well and to know you know all the nuances that a language can have, and uh, I think the best thing you can do to start as a translator is just practicing. It's one of the job that you really learn while doing it. Like I learned a lot when I started, even more of what I learned in during my master degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I started freelancing with this agency, uh, the good thing is that this agency has a score system, a scorecard system for their translator. So every time I, I delivered a translation, they sent me uh, a scorecard back with all the track changes that a reviser made and with the, with the score about the translation. About, uh, they, I have a score in accuracy, in tone and register, fluency and all this stuff. So that really helped improve my skills. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it, the, the best thing you can do is to like work maybe for another uh, older translator or just found an agency and ask them to give them to give you a feedback and because feedback is really essential at the beginning mm-hmm. so yeah start working that's my advice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's a good tip as well like asking for feedback because yeah it's it's really valuable I, I think like not even just when you're starting up like I still really appreciate I mean I'm still sort of at the start but like I, I really appreciate getting feedback especially like with a new client because it's not yeah. always that like your translation is, is bad it's just that every client requires something slightly different and yeah like you need to get their tone of voice right for them and like they all have different style guides and like yeah that's true I think it's good like with new clients as well yeah feedback oh yeah I wanted to ask a bit about your email newsletter that you have I know a bit about it already because I've been um, proofreading it for you but yeah yeah tell me about that well um when I started like networking on LinkedIn I had like um, at some point I had a lot of people asking me for advices like uh, what should I do how can I start I, how can I get clients and all this stuff so I decided to like launch a newsletter with all that in useful information to help like newbies to take the, the right path and to become one day hope, hopefully successful translators so that's how it started and I really enjoyed writing it and thank you for proofreading it <laughs> since I'm not mother tongue so and now we I, I started and I had like 50 subscribers something like that I started it in July and now they are almost 600 so I think wow. it worked <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm so happy about it. And the the best part is that every time I send out a, a new email, there is like at least 15 or 20 people that write back to me saying thank you that really helped or uh, I really love like uh, how you write or what you write you thank you very much you're helping me here you're helping me there so it's really rewarding that's really great and like that you get the feedback from it as well like it's obviously worth yeah worth doing if you're helping (laughs) yeah so how like how if anyone's listening and wants to sign up to your newsletter how can they do that it's not an easy url but (laughs) they can go to my linkedin um profile i think and they can find the the link there in some of my posts i can do like um a post about it if you want so i can share the link there and they can find it easily i think Okay, I'll I'll make sure to write your name in the um, show notes so, so that people can find you easily on LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. Yeah, sounds good. And you've also started something else that's really exciting, um, which is your <laughs> your course for translators about uh, fashion translation, right? Yeah yeah that's it um yeah uh that's a completely new adventure for me but um i'm liking it so far so it will be available in the in next weeks i don't know um when exactly right now but i will keep my newsletter subscriber posted mm-hmm. The course name is Translation for the Fashion Industry and it um, it will give you like an idea of what it's like translating for the fashion industry, what text you will work on and how to overcome the, the challenges that you may come across. And we'll see also uh, the basics of trust creation, machine translation, localization and also post-editing. All of that applied to the fashion industry translations. And then we will see also how to find clients in the fashion industry and how to get in touch with them and all these um, like practical tips on how to get started. It sounds like it's the sort of thing that could also be relevant across industries a little bit. Yeah, of course, it's true for um, for many other industries. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll see specifically the, the text that you will work on and there will be exercises you will get you will have the chance to translate uh, some fashion related text and like product descriptions for example or maybe blog posts of brands that wants to communicate with their clients so you need a more trust creative approach and this i explain you how to like approach the text the fashion related text yeah sounds like a really interesting course (laughs) i hope so (laughs) Since you obviously have you have the newsletter, you've given a lot of advice for people that want to become translators or sort of new translators. What advice can you give for translators to be slash new translators? It's not easy at first. We all know that because freelancing is not very easy, I think, in any field. So don't, don't give up. Just be patient because it takes time because nobody knows you at the beginning. So try to always be there when a client asks you, even if it's the Christmas day or something like that, because at the beginning you have to work whenever there's work. So no matter if it's Sunday or if it's New Year's Eve or I don't know, whatever holiday you can think about. 
And one thing I want to share is to always remember that we are a human being, so always be polite and just ask the, the project manager or the client how, how are they or, I don't know, just share something maybe a bit personal. Of, of course, don't tell all your problems to the project manager, but just say, if they ask, how are you? Just say, oh, I'm fine, but I went, I don't know, to the dentist and now I'm a bit, I don't know in pain or something like that something that makes them understand that you are human and then that they can trust you because it's all about trust because we we don't see each other in person and so it's all on emails so if you if you share something about you and you you make the other feel that they can trust you whenever they have something they will turn on you so that's That's how I, I started because a project manager in this agency I was talking about, the first one I had, we, we really had like, uh, create like a relationship. We became friends. She also came at some point in my city to visit me. So it was really nice. Yeah. And because of that, they, she, every time she had something to Italian, she sent it to me. So, of course, you have to be good, uh, a good translator. That's, that's the basic. But if you're good and then you're also nice, that's the perfect combination because they will keep sending you work and then you have the chance to, to grow up, to learn and to evolve. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I feel like I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, it's done. Sorry. <laughs> you know when you're like... <laughs> I'm gonna... So we've had a few questions in about freelance translation um, from people. <laughs> I can tell they've come from robots. <laughs> Lucia has said that she would like to know what sort of personal rules work for you when working from home. Um, for example, she asked, what do you do when you get up from your desk? So, well, I don't think I have any particular rules. I just take my lunch break and have lunch and then I just stop working like when I'm too tired, like at seven or maybe at six. It depends on the days. It depends on what I did, on how long I've been working. And then I stop, go for a walk with my dog and then have dinner and that's it. Mm. It's kind of similar for me. Like at first I sort of, sometimes I try and have rules and I try and say, okay, I'm going to try and only work like nine to five Monday to Friday or try and like every day I'll have a break at this time but like it's really hard because yeah the work is always different and yeah everything is like you just kind of have to go with the flow and (laughs) yeah work when you need to work and take breaks just need to to of course take care of yourself just don't do any like overnight work or staying up all night or don't eat lunch or something like that just need to take care of yourself that's it I think I guess it's like one of the big differences between freelancing and in-house is that I guess if you're in-house there will be more rules with like what time you have to start work like when you when you can take your lunch break I guess you're more restricted with what you can do in your breaks if you're in an office or yeah that sort of thing but for us like we can sort of do whatever I mean recently I've been I take like an hour lunch break and I've been like starting my lunch break with yoga so I'll do like half an hour of yoga and then I'll have my lunch and I feel like that that's a really good to like get myself moving 
in between. We've had another question from Gemma who asks, is it viable? I guess she means sort of, is being a freelance translator viable? She said she has an MA in translation and has always been too afraid to make the leap. Oh, yeah. As I said, it's not easy at the beginning. So if you maybe have another, like, if you have a side job, it's easier to see how it's like and if it's a life it's this life is for you because it's not for everyone because as we said if you can set your boundaries like if you don't don't know how to take care of yourself it's not really ideal for you it's better maybe a an in-house job Mm -hmm. but yeah it's viable you can work as a freelance translator it takes maybe years months to to get a good income but yeah if you have like thousands to wait and uh, you are you have this side job maybe at the beginning and then you you leave it and then you start freelancing like full-time I think it's possible I mean I do it and you don't you do it so yeah so I yeah. mean it is <laughs> yeah, like the living proof that it's it's, it it's viable but yeah, yeah. I, w- I would agree with you. I think like definitely to start with, you need something financially, something to fall back on. Yeah. Because either having, I know a lot of people either start, they finish their masters and they start as an in-house translator or they have another job for like a year or so to like save up enough money to be able to yeah. then just fully go freelance. Or some people, like you said, start and have a side job so that they've got enough sort of regular income to make up for anything yeah. that might be missing. Yeah, absolutely. It's not always stable. That's the yeah. The beginning. Then it it becomes stable, like right mm. now for me. But at the beginning, it's not. So if you have like the chance to do it full time, because you have maybe I don't know, you live with your parents, or I don't know, you have a boyfriend that have a stable <laughs> job, and <laughs> just go for it, like from the beginning, just all freelancing, like uh, full time freelancing. But if you can't, of course, just take a, um, a side job or just go for an in-house position and then transition to freelancing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the best options you have. We've had another question from Tomash, who is interested in the challenges you face in the first few years of freelancing. So I guess what, yeah, what challenges did you face at the start? Of course, the the work that is not coming in like regularly, as we said before, it's not easy at the beginning to have a steady income. So that's that's a challenge. And another one is that when you don't have experience, of course, it's hard to find new clients. So you send like thousands of CVs and then you got like no answer at the beginning because you have no experience so it can be pretty hard mm-hmm. but yeah you can gain experience like uh, by volunteering your services and yeah that's pretty much it or like mm-hmm. an internship like I did yeah doing an internship is a really good idea I think mm-hmm. I, I just want to add something to that as well because yeah. I think to start with something I I sort of I struggled with it and then I had to sort of research it a lot but with things like sending invoices and having contracts with people because especially with direct clients Mm -hmm. um you have to sort of (laughs) figure that all out yourself and make sure you're doing the right thing and know what 
that you've got like the contracts and sort of make like come up with your rates and know what's like a reasonable sort of thing to ask and then like how do you trust clients as well because yeah like for example when I had like a sort of longer project with a direct client I was like can you pay me every week just so that I knew that sure I was getting paid and I wouldn't do like two months worth of work and then yeah we're like bye (laughs) but like that's I think that was a bit of a challenge but now I've got like the invoice template and the yeah like you kind of know like it's easier now what your rates are and it's hard as well to start with because so many like agencies and people ask for like ridiculously low rates so like I remember when I started I was like and my rates really high or like <laughs> are they are they actually ridiculous yeah yeah the the thing that I suggest at the beginning is to start uh, with translation agencies even if they of course have lower rates but you can learn a lot with translation agencies mm-hmm. and you don't have to take care of all this stuff that you mentioned so at the beginning maybe it's easier yeah they usually have their own sort of system yeah, you don't have. You just have to translate. They also usually have their own CAD tools, so you just have to really turn on your computer and start translating. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, maybe it's better if you don't have experience, and then you can gain experience, and then you can start like looking for better clients. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the next question, which is from Catherine. And she asks, how do you choose which translation companies to work for? I look for them on prods.com, Blueboard, which is um, a website where all the like translation agencies are ranked, like they are scored by other translators that work with them. And I usually choose the ones that are specialized in my specialization fields. So the one that works with fashion clients or tourist clients and all kind of stuff. And that's pretty much it, I think. How do you do the same, I think? <laughs> yeah, I do the same. I always, the first thing I always do is go and pose. Yeah, just check. And see. Like sometimes I might ask some of my colleagues, have you ever worked with this agency? Yeah. Because often like if I if I work with a really good agency, then... I'll tell other translators like oh this one's really good or I might even recommend them to the agency and also just sort of get a like see how it feels when you start like say they onboard you and you start sort of having the communications see what the emails are like see like how they talk to you because as you said before you want you want to be treated like a human so just like don't bother like I kind of prefer the smaller agencies where you talk to like one or two project managers yeah me too. Get to know them a bit and they're a bit more like <laughs> reasonable you can negotiate the rates a bit yeah um and they sort of know what you specialize in rather than the ones because I've worked with an agency where you just sort you have to sort of bid on it oh okay and I don't really like that because no they're just looking for whoever can do it the cheapest yeah they don't really care about what you specialize in and they also have emailed me things like they'll be like oh can you quickly do this legal translation for tomorrow and I'm like I, I'm, no. not a, I'm not a legal <laughs> translator like <laughs> you shouldn't yeah know, yeah yeah like know what your freelancers specialize in yeah some agencies are pretty bad 
so like definitely I mean it's kind of nice to have them there as long as like the rates are decent and they have good review like you know that they'd pay you like yeah it's nice to have those sort of ones like on the back burner to pull back on yeah. and you can take those sort of jobs I mean yeah I'm not, I'm not going to take a legal transaction job but like if <laughs> if something <laughs> relevant to me did come up then I might yeah. take it but I would probably like choose to do work for a different agency over that agency yeah yeah it's always useful I think to have like a backup translation agency that you know is there and even if you don't work with them uh, you have it there so if yeah. there's yeah exactly I think you can never really have too many as long as you know that they that they they, that they actually pay the invoices and that yeah the rates are like the kind of rates you would be happy to work for I think it's fine just to have lots of agencies yeah it's fine the translation agency uh, I started working with at the beginning the one I was telling you about now like automated everything so you just get an alert whenever a job that it sweets your knowledge um, come up and you can pick it up on their board and that's it so you don't have the, the chance to talk with project manager anymore and I, I don't like it anymore <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's nice to be able to have email communication with yeah people. especially because like yeah we're all just at home like yeah, at home so <laughs> that's what we we have like email with project managers and that's nice I think yeah let's move on to the next question which is actually aimed at me so this is from Renata and she has asked how have you started working with subtitling so you've not done subtitling have you no I did it like when I was studying uh, translation, I did like a volunteer, sub I was a volunteer subtitler for like TV series and stuff, but nothing really serious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, I'm planning to do a future podcast episode, like solely on audiovisual translation and subtitling. But um, basically, I, how did I start? So I did an audiovisual translation module as part of my master's um, and that was like my first actually before that I did some as part of my undergraduate but like so I sort of started by doing a bit of uni and then when I finished my master's I did some sort of charity like subtitling for a charity and then I think I was contacted via prose or maybe I contacted them a sort of subtitling agency and sort of once I started working with them and gained the experience I then started working for another subtitling agency and I think I have maybe three specifically subtitling agencies that I work with at the moment and I've had a couple of sort of direct clients with that so I think it just sort of like build up in the same way that it does with translation work and yeah I basically just learned how to do it as part of my master's I, I never did like I didn't do like a separate course in it I just think about it but then once I started doing it I was like actually I think I w I'd kind of learned everything I needed to know like I'd learned it through doing the work for the agencies and yeah like learning the different softwares and stuff so that's sort of how I did that wow cool but do you also have to to sync like the subtitles with the video or this is another job you do this as well yeah okay. so there's like with subtitling there's a few different 
things you can do like sometimes like if it's for a direct client usually I'll be doing everything so okay. like doing the translation creating the subtitles doing the time coding yeah embedding it onto the video all of that but sometimes with agencies they'll have a template already and they'll have like a transcript there of the source audio yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it might even already be time coded as well. So all you have to do is oh, okay. put the translation in there. Sometimes you have to adjust the timings a little bit to sort of fit. Okay, I see. But then you also have different types of subtitling. Like you can do sort of plain subtitles um, where you just put the audio, like what, what is being said. Um, yeah. Or you can have like subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing, which yeah, is something I've done as well. Yeah. yeah. And you put in like all of the sounds and the speakers. Yeah. And all that kind of thing and then you might have to also put in like any on-screen text so like for example if there was like a video I don't know of, of a sign or something you might yeah. have to like put a translation of the sign um and then you have sort of more creative subtitling as well I've not really done much of that sort of thing but one of my colleagues has where you get to like sort of play around and move things around and have oh, wow. a bit more fun <laughs> a bit more fun with it yeah it's really interesting and I will do a whole episode on it um, yeah. at some point because <laughs> um, it's really, quite yeah. a big topic. So we've had a few questions from Jessica, mostly sort of about the financial side of it and I guess she wants to know where did you sort of learn the business side of being a translator, like how did you know how to deal with the finances and that sort of thing? Oh, okay. So they explained something about it during my master. So I knew like how to make an invoice or how, I don't know, to make a contract or something like that. But I didn't really use it at first because most translation agencies I work with are in the UK. So they don't actually need like an invoice. They have their, their own invoice system so I just needed to make invoice for myself like to to give it to my accountant or um, to pay taxes at the end of the year uh, but I don't didn't need to to send them invoices so it was easier but now I work with all sorts of clients I also have direct clients so I just I have an accountant I think in Italy you should have one because it's everything is pretty messed up so this is like an expense to, th that you have also at the end of the year. And I think that's pretty much it. When, whenever you are in doubt, you ask your accountant or if you have some a figure similar to an accountant. I don't know in other countries how it works. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, if you have any doubt, you ask him and he will explain. I mean, mine is pretty good. So <laughs> he explained everything to me. <laughs> but yeah I think that's that's pretty much it mm -hmm. what about you I don't feel like I learned that much about it as as part of my degree because I think it was more I sort of had the feeling that my degree was more aimed for people that were going to be in-house translators or project managers and there wasn't so much about freelancing or setting up a business or any of that kind of thing um so actually I learned most of it from my parents because okay yeah they run their own my dad has his own sort of architect oh, business it's, as a well. small, it's a really <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, um, 
okay sorry it's um, it's quite it's a small one like it's only it's only my mum and my dad and they work together and they work from home and I've sort of grown up with that and when I was a teenager I would like do work for them and I learned a lot from like doing their I'd like do the filing I would help sort out the accounts my mum sort of taught me how that all worked so I learned a lot from my parents and like even now when I have questions I usually ask them I don't think it's that common in the UK when you're starting up to have an accountant I feel like it's something you'd normally do a bit later down the line like when there's more sort of things like for me it's not too it's not too difficult because there's not so many different things coming in I mean there's more now but like I just make sure to keep track of it I have an excel document (laughs) where I put all of the incoming incomings and outgoings for the business and I send invoices to I think most of my clients I send invoices to even the agencies ask for invoices so I sort of keep keep track of all of that um and then at the end of the tax year which is April in the UK then I have to fill in a tax return and I had to do that for the first time last year and it was actually not too difficult like you just sort of follow just sort of answer the questions and thing and usually if you don't understand it there'll be a little thing and it tells you what it means and then they just tell you how much you're going to have to pay in tax so that is one thing I would say um okay that's pretty in, like, easy. in the UK I don't know how it is everywhere yeah okay no I hear it's not that easy <laughs> yeah I'd say like make sure when you start that you're putting a bit of money aside every month yeah. so that when it comes yeah. to having to pay the tax you're not like oh I, I forgot yeah I that's good advice and I mean they do give you a bit of time like I filled that in in April or May and I don't have to pay that until this month so they do give you like yeah what like yeah, nine months well. or something to yeah the same to do that but like it's it's not I'm not going to say it's easy but like it's you can do it on your own and you don't need an accountant for the UK yeah necessarily to start with so she also asked where do you learn to write an invoice I mean you said you learned to write it yeah uh, during my master's degree yeah um and I sort of I mean I just I just asked my friend how to do it (laughs) yeah or you can look for you can look for a template as well yeah yeah you can find yeah you can find an invoice template online and then you just yeah it to meet what you want and then just have your own invoice template with your sort of logo or heading or whatever at the top yeah 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 yeah. just fill it in for all clients it's not really that difficult although I get that it's quite daunting to start with when you don't know how any of it works and it is um you've maybe never had to write an invoice before but it's not it's not as scary as it seems Jessica also asks is it different so this is for you is it different if you work with an Italian company or with a foreign company I actually don't know because uh, I've never worked with Italian companies, just with foreign companies. I've never had an Italian client and I don't think I will ever have, but I don't know. I I don't know how to answer this question because, yeah, I've never worked with Italian clients before. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm just trying to think if, if it's any different for me, like working with UK or not but I don't think I have any UK clients either so <laughs> I feel like you don't like it's not you're more likely to have clients that are like yeah elsewhere. like around the world yeah I have uh like I think two or three three UK clients so yeah 
as well with with your UK clients has anything changed with the UK leaving the EU but I guess you might not know yet because it's literally only no, just yeah happened. yeah it just happened so I don't really know yet I need to talk with my accountant <laughs> but yeah I don't think that anything will change for us mm-hmm. yeah. I know there's like new rules with selling things but I because we don't sell things like, we sell yeah. like services or exactly like so like or... nothing I haven't actually had to do anything yeah I don't think it will change but I don't know actually don't know how to answer yeah. this question as well <laughs> I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see yeah and oh yeah her last question was do you use accountants to do your taxes and you said yes and I said no so that's yeah. sort of <laughs> that's sort of that one so that's actually all the questions we've had from people um is there <laughs> You said it again. Okay. We've had that. We have had some questions from the local aliens. Um, <laughs> they are interested in freelancing. You know what? Actually, sometimes I think about like if like because I because I, I think there probably are like other beings living somewhere yeah, else in the universe. Of course. So I sometimes think like imagine like if we if we like became translators yeah like so like like (laughs) a language that like doesn't that we're not aware of yet like yeah I think that would be I think or also like imagine if like we started to learn more about like animals languages and we became like translators for like like you could like you could be like a translator for like dogs and then you could like (laughs) talk to your dog (laughs) and like (laughs) And there will be like apps, like you, 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 like ah, you make the the phone listen to your dog, and then a voice yeah. will tell you what the dog said. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be that would be a really cool thing. Maybe yeah. I mean you never know. Like this could, like could that could be a whole new branch yeah. of the industry, which is animal trans animal translation yeah. and alien translation. And alien translation. <laughs> I think my my dog would mostly would say I'm hungry, give me food, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Is there anything else that you want to say about freelance translation? Remember that you are a human being, so be nice to yourself while freelancing because it's not that easy to work from home and like actually leaving your house during the day. Mm-hmm and uh, be nice to other people that are on the other side of your screen and I think that's the basics I think that's some good advice I'd say also like just be be nice to each other as well like the other freelancers like yeah. you don't have to be you don't have to be completely on your own like there is a lovely community of translators like on LinkedIn on Instagram yeah I'm sure like when events are happening again you, you can go to conferences and meet other translators yeah um I'm kind of excited to meet all the translators that aren't on LinkedIn that I haven't met yet yeah I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> but like just and be kind to each other because we're not like don't see other translators as like your competitors because yeah we all have different experience we do different languages we have different specialities like we can all support each other and help each other and recommend each other to clients and we're not yeah just like fighting like there's there's plenty of translation work out there and there's always going to be more and more and like just yeah just be kind to each other and yourself <laughs> yeah I totally agree <laughs> if people do have 
any other questions for you or they want to find out more about you um how can they get in touch or where can they find you uh you can find me on linkedin uh, you can look for Valentina Alia and you'll find me. Or you can write to hello at uh, valentinaaliatranslator.com. Mm -hmm. Do you have a website as well? Oh, yeah, sorry. I have a website and it's valentinaaliatranslator.com as the, the email. And you can find more info about me there. There's also a blog and you can subscribe to my newsletter as well. So yeah just get in touch and if anyone is actually listening and might be interested in your translation services what exactly do you offer um for clients yeah i offer translation and trust creation which are creative translations sort of this in fashion tourism and marketing and i'm also specialized in footwear translations and what is your what are your language combinations Oh yeah, it's French and English, Italian. I'm so bad at promoting okay. <laughs> that. I just realized that. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Valentina. It's been really great to have you here and it's been really interesting to learn about what you do. Thank you for having me. It was really nice to have a chat. We'll, um, we'll catch up again soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Valentina as much as I did. The next episode of the Meet the Translator podcast series will be all about interpreting. I'll be joined by interpreter Sabrina Spacanti and she'll be telling us all about what she does, the most challenging aspects of the job, what she loves about interpreting, as well as giving some advice for anyone who wants to become an interpreter and answering some of your questions. If you have any comments about the podcast or questions for Sabrina about interpreting, please send an email to meetthetranslator at gmail.com. Thanks again to Valentina for being on the podcast today and thank you to everyone who sent in their questions. Mm -hmm.